But if you will, open up to John's Gospel, the 13th chapter, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week, you know, a message or a series, this is week seven, a new way for a new day. And uh, this, to me, is crucial, but it's not strange, um, it's the truth, it's real evident that in this 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter, and really into the 17th, Jesus was days away from leaving. He was about to suffer and die. And so when he knew his time was up, I mean, it's just a matter of a couple of days, he starts teaching, and then he gives us kind of how we're going to need to live after he's gone. How we are to do this life when he's gone. But we see here, they were going to approach and walk in a new day too. As a matter of fact, those terms are used in that day and things like that. And so John 13 is the verse we've been reading from. Verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, uh, when Jesus knew his hour had come that he should depart from the world to the Father, he knew it. He knew his time had come. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In other words, until he left. Now, he still loves us and still loved them. But the thing here is, he is now going to start using terms which we've looked at in that day. In other words, after I leave. Or when I go to the Father, this is how you're going to do it. And so he's setting this forth so that we know how to do it till he comes. We said last week there is no expiration date on these truths from John 13 through John 16, really into 17, that of, you know, oh, they expire. In other words, this will only last 100 years. This will only last 1,000 years. The only expiration date that's given is his second coming. When he comes back and sets up his kingdom on the earth. And so here he's talking, saying, hey, I'm leaving. And now he kind of gives this little transition teaching. Well, I say little, a few chapters. Hey, I'm going. Here's what you got to do. And here's how you're going to have to live. So today we're going to look at this. Now, we've looked at these maybe a little bit. Uh, salvation and walking in love and really the personal side and revealing of this new life and this God living in us business which never occurred before. This was something that was unheard of. God living in a person, a person actually having eternal life, they had never known this before. God would live in a building, and God even told them back then, make it with gold, make it this way, do all this stuff. They spent loads of money, and he said, here's how you do it, and this will not be permanent. I mean, have you ever moved into a place and thought, I'm moving in, I'm going to make it my place, but this is not permanent? You know? Even if you don't know how you're getting to the next place, you know, this, this isn't permanent. But then there are times where you move and you think, hey, I, I think this could be permanent. Right? 
And here, uh, this idea of God living in, having new life, having love in you is a total new thought. And so here in John 14, we're going to begin reading, and I'm going to read through a number of verses. I'm going to read 15th verse through verse 24. And uh, we ended in the 14th verse, but here we go. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, or some translations read comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, so he's explaining who it is, whom the world cannot receive because they neither see him nor know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In other words, while they were in the ministry with Jesus, traveling with him and doing service, they were recognizing the presence of God, the power of God, the demonstration of God's spirit. But he said, he's been with you, but there's a change. He's going to be in you. That's way different than they knew. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on them. They would even pray things like this. Lord, don't take your Spirit from me. Because why? Because he didn't live in them. He'd come on them for service, but he could leave them. But now, I mean... Verse 18 said, or actually verse 16, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Later on, he's going to say, I won't leave. He will be with you forever. But notice he said, I won't leave you orphans. Verse 19, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see or perceive me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and so on. So it's interesting right here. If you read this, it almost sounds like if you walk in love, God will come live in you. But that can't be true. You with me? And we'll discuss why. But here's a couple of points I want to look at real quick. Verse 15 and 16, he said this, and look at these because it's important. Let your eyes look on them. Let them get ingrained. You ever looked at something when you're driving and then you looked away and you could still see it? It's important to look at things and let them get in your eyes because they'll stick when you look at them. You with me? 
And uh, verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Notice this phrase, give you another helper, and abide with you forever. You're going to get another helper, and we know it's the Holy Spirit, but notice the phrase, give you another helper. Why? They were losing the helper they had. Who? Jesus. Jesus was helping them in life. He was training them, directing them, guiding them. If they had questions, they could say, Jesus, why didn't this work? And he would tell them. Or what about this? And what about that? And he was helping them. That's why he said he's not going to leave you an orphan. But he said, he'll give you another helper. Why? Jesus helped. Now the Holy Spirit is going to take his place on the earth. And he said, abide with us forever. So this new helper is a permanent one with us where Jesus was no longer going to be permanently with them. You with me? Verse 20 and 21, another thought here, and you'll notice there's some similarities. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, you'll know this, and I in you. Notice the verse before, I'm going to give you another helper, he's going to dwell with you, and here he's saying, I'm going to be in you, with you and in you, with you and in you. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and, notice this phrase, manifest myself to you. So notice, he's going to give another helper, he's going to abide forever, he's going to be in you, and manifest himself to you. In other words, what is it to manifest something, to bring it forth, to show? And he said, I'll manifest myself to you. Now look at verse 23. And we do know, because we already read this, he said, how are you going to do this to us, but not to others? Isn't that wild that if we do what he's talking about, he will manifest himself, come live with us forever, be our helper, and be in us, and others would not know it. Now, we can reveal him to the world, but notice this, verse 23, Jesus answered, and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Interesting statements. Give you another helper in the place of Jesus. He will abide with you forever. He will not only abide with you forever, we read the next verses, he will be in you. Not only will he be in you, he will manifest himself to you. And he said, not only that, the Father will come 
and he will make his home with you. Notice the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You could say, God will come and make his home in you and manifest himself in you and through you. Well, that's pretty interesting. That's some kind of talk because this is a whole revolutionary idea. You know, you're talking about they knew that Jesus is with them. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Messiah. They knew that the power of God had come on them and the Spirit would be working. But now Jesus is basically saying, I'm leaving. Got some commandments for you to keep. And if you keep these, and it can't be rules to get him to come to live in, he said, I'll come live in you. I'll be with you forever. I'll abide with you. I'll manifest myself to you. The whole Godhead will come in and do this in and through you. Those are pretty profound statements. They knew nothing of this sort before. And so we know this. You can't just live and love one another and have God live in you by keeping rules. You can't. It would almost seem like it if you didn't know what the commandments were. Because then in all reality, you could justify this statement. I've been good enough. God will let me in. You with me? But you got to remember, we're reading verses that had verses before and other verses in the Bible. If it is just keeping a rule, then we don't need Jesus. right? We don't need him. But we know John 14, 6, just a few verses before, some statements that are connected to this. He said, I am the only way. I am, there is no other way. I am the truth and I am the life. Nobody comes to God except through me. Well, that's not walking in love, but he didn't he say, keep my commandments here? So is he contradicting himself, or would it be good to know what his commandments were? Because he gives, he said, if you notice, if you just read past, you'll notice it says commandments, but sometimes it says commandment. You with me? In this set of verses that we just read, you'll notice the phrase commandment, or word, or command." Mints. The very first one we read, he said, if you keep my commandments. Right? And then we read some other ones. And in the other ones, he talks about not just only commandments, he talks about a command. And so what I want to do is do this without spending a ton of time. Look at what these commandments are. Now, we know from the context, one of the commandments is Jesus is the only way, right? And one of the commandments is walking in love. But is walking in love a prerequisite to having God live in you? Well, in one sense, yes, because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well... If you love him, 
you'll keep his commandment. Well, what was the first commandment? Love is shown in obedience. So what we need to know is, what are these commandments? You know, John, the writer here, actually spoke more about these in 1 John. Turn to 1 John. He starts explaining the commandment and commandments. 1 John 3, the commandment and the commandments. And it's interesting that they're connected the same way, meaning this. Believing, calling on the Lord, Him being the way, and then walking in love. 1 John 3, verse 23 and 24. Notice this. And this is His commandment. Whose commandment? Jesus's. That you should believe on the name, or well, you could say God's, but God, but they're one. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Notice, a singular commandment with two points. Believe and love one another. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him. We just read those same things. The terms commandments, abiding in. And notice it said he or we would abide in him and he in him. The Lord in us and us in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. How do we know he abides in us? What was he going to give us over there? Another helper, the Holy Spirit. Notice this, it says, by the Spirit whom he has given us. So the Spirit in us must work in such a way at times that we can know he's in us. Well, we saw he would manifest himself to us. We've seen in other places in the Bible that his spirit would bear witness that we are children of God. Now, notice he said the commandment here is that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus, and love one another. Now, let's just turn back a page, or maybe it's on the same page. 1 John 4, 15. Same guy who wrote the same things, and you'll notice the terms are almost the same over there. He's just explaining the commandments that were given. Notice this. 1 John 4, 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we just read before, believe in his name. And how God would be in him and he'd be in God. But notice here it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And how do we know this? Well, if you go back to the other verse, he said, by his spirit whom he gave us. God will come live in you when you get saved. But it's vitally important for us to walk in love because he gave this commandment of love. Notice that first verse says, believe in him, then walk in love. This one said, if you confess him alone... He will live in you. 
but we still have that love. Well, love is shown when you keep his commandment to call on him and say, be my Lord. That's an expression of your own love, actually. But notice this in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And it's all in this setting. And we won't actually read it. I'm going to explain it, some stuff, then I'll read it. Love is of God, and everyone born of God loves. And I'm going to say this. Love tries to, once we're saved, get the rule and control over a person. You with me? If we would pay attention inside, we would try to live a different way. You say, what do you mean? There is, there is a love when you get saved that tries to control you. But if you get so busy with your mind and you get so busy, you can override it. But how many times have we been quiet enough and went, I shouldn't do this, and we knew it down inside? And really, all of our problems are a violation of love. Strife fighting, I got to have it my way, whatever it is. But it tries to get our control after salvation. Why? Because the love comes from God in salvation. In other words, when you give your life to the Lord, there comes a new nature. It's actually a God nature. It's a love nature. Not a love like that's in the world that tries to get stuff for itself but it's a love that gives and believes right, acts. It's a total different kind of love. As a matter of fact, the word agape that's in the Bible that describes love is a word Jesus made up. Never existed before he started preaching. Isn't that interesting? He made up that word. He had to make up a word for something nobody knew until the time he died and rose again. And he starts introducing them to it in the 13th chapter. And then he starts talking to them more about it here in the 14th chapter about this agape, which means the God kind of love. Well, if you got God's life in you, you would think, well, what is in, in this life? Well, God is love. You know, God is patient and God is kind. Those are just characteristics of love. Now, God comforts us. God strengthens us. He does things, but he is love. So if you get from him life, you get love. Now let me read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. Why, it says, for love is of or from God. And everyone who loves is born of God. Why? Because they got love from God. Because they got love from God. Because love is from Him. We're to walk in this love. I'm going to read, I actually had a note there. I want to read this verse 7 and 8 in the Bible instead of from my notes. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God or is of God. 
And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You want to get to know God? Keep walking in love. Why? Because God is love. If you just start walking in his love, you're going to be walking close with him. And not only are you going to be walking close with him, you're going to start solving, solving problems. Life will be different. It will give him opportunity to manifest and work things in your life. Notice verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. It didn't say they're not saved. They just don't know God like they could and like they should. See, Jesus didn't want us to get saved and it to end right there. He knew we all had a full life after we got saved. And meaning unless, you know, somebody's on their deathbed and gives their life to the Lord. But he knew that there is a heart cry, an inward void to know God, to connect with God. That's why people connect with all kinds of religions and all kinds of things. There's a void, and they're trying to get connected. And he said, you do it this way. Receive me. I'll come and live in you. You start walking in love. The Spirit will witness that I'm there, but there will be a perpetual revealing. And notice he said, he who walks in love knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You want to get to know God better? Want to deepen your walk with Him? You want to change things in your life? Then the answer would be, start walking in the love that was given to you at salvation. All these be with you, manifest, they become much more clear when we walk in love. When my motive is not about me. See, this love, when it's walked in by us as the believer, actually gets us to start releasing the new nature we received in Christ. If I live out of my mind only and wrong thinking out of my mind, out of passions and stuff like that, I'll actually be locking away the new life that's in me. You wonder why so many people are frustrated in life? They've locked away, I'm talking believers, they've locked away love. Love is freeing. But somebody said, yeah, but people would treat me wrong. Love is freeing. Is the devil messed up or God? I mean, that's not a hard... I mean, if you've got problems thinking about that, we need to go backwards. The devil is selfish. Everything about him is for him and his pride and selfishness. Everything about God is not that. We were wicked. We were evil. We were doing our own thing. And he loved us while we were all sinners and died for us. And so he still has that opinion of people who are living wrong in the world. Now, we need to keep that opinion instead of thinking, what's their problem? They were just like us. They were the reason why God did that, whether they were going to act right and accept him or keep living their own way. He expressed love to them. That's a radical, revolutionary way. Totally. 
Because the devil ain't doing that. He comes to take and to steal, to rob, to, to, to suck dry. God came when people didn't deserve it. And in all reality, we don't. He gives it by his mercy and his grace. But he did this while the world was messed up and could do nothing for themselves. That's love. We're to love like that. Not just because, well, they're going to pay me back. They're going to do good back to me. Well, I know they're kind, so if I'm kind to them, they'll be kind to me. When I only do that, I do only what the world does. Jesus said that in Mark or Matthew 5. If we only do good to those who do good, what more do we do than the rest of the world? In other words, that's not at all like God. That's more like the devil. I'll sell you my life if you make me rich, Satan. Okay. He's a robber. They'll ultimately be robbed, but then on the other hand, God's like, hey, you have done nothing, you could do nothing, uh, you were messed up, uh, you maybe cussed at me, yelled at me, spoke against me, said I would never go that way. I still did that for you. Now he asks us to walk in love. Let me ask you this. Who do you think is the most frustrated or the most fulfilled, God or Satan? Who's all bound up? And look at how they both act. And it sure has not done God damage to walk in this love. It has to be freeing. It has to be something. And so Jesus said, when I leave, this is the kind of love I want you to walk in. And, uh, you know, I'm going to come in you just if you receive me. But this love is going to come in you. So because I'm going to give you another helper, I'm going to abide with you forever. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to manifest myself to you. I'm going to come to you. God's going to come. We're going to make our home in you. I mean, those are some pretty radical terms. I'm going to give you new life. Love is of God. So when he comes in, guess what you get? Love. You get one who is not going to influence you away from love. And so if I want my life to be revolutionary and to be changed, Understand this, I don't have to pray for this love if I'm saved. I don't have to pray for more love. I remember in junior high when people started first working out, I remember we had those plastic weights, you know, with the cement in them. You know what I'm talking about? They may still make them. We had a bar, and I remember thinking, you know, all right, here we go. My arms looked like about my wrists all the way up. You know what I'm saying? I thought, I'm going to go lift this. I remember we had a bench press. I couldn't lift it. I couldn't even get, hardly get the thing up. Uh, well, this isn't working. It looked better to do with the big bars and the big, or the big bar and the big weights. It sure did not look good when I had to remove them and put the small ones up there and struggle. Well, I couldn't pray for more muscles. I had what I needed. Sometimes people look at themselves and go, well, I've got the Lord. I need more love. No, we need to renew our minds and exercise love. And that love will start getting a, a rule over us and a control over us, and it'll save you from problems. Many times people make decisions 
because it's so selfish and I want and I have to have this now. And love would save you from the results that would come from that bad choice. But no, I need this. I've got to have this. Love will settle you. It'll keep you. It's the greatest source of wisdom. You with me? Because compulsion is not the greatest source. Even God tells us when you give, don't give out of compulsion. Don't do things like that. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but if you go to the store and you've got this compulsion, they trigger that and try to push you over the edge. It's a word called sales. You don't need it, but it's on sale. Oh, my goodness, I've got to get this. It's on sale. It's not that I need this, but I need this because it's on sale. Love is more objective than that. You with me? So if you've ever gotten anything on sale, I prefer to buy something on sale that I need. But don't just go through the store and go, oh, load the cart. That's on sale. That's on sale. That's on sale. Love is not that way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's got self-control. If we would recognize there's a difference between what's in my head and what's in my new nature, that would serve us greatly. You with me? It would serve us all greatly. See, because this love that's in you, if it was allowed to dominate you, as a matter of fact, the Bible said in 1 John 5, 14, the love of Christ constrains us or literally wants to get the rule over us. It wants to control us. Somebody said, you give your life to God, you think he wants to control you? Yeah, he wants his nature. Wouldn't it be more comfortable to live in the nature God has than the nature Satan has? And we see the nature Satan has. It's lived out all over the place. It's why people steal. It's why people lie. It's why people won't act first in a good way because they want to see what they'll get before they'll be nice. They'll wait till that person deserves it, then they'll give it. God's love is not at all like that. I don't know, but if we recognize this is what's in us, you know what's going to make heaven awesome? When we all get there, we're not going to be functioning out of our false reasoning or mind that we haven't renewed. It's not that we're going to get this love. Heaven is a place for people who have received eternal life. Our nature will just be free to express itself, and there will be patience and peace and love, and nobody will offend, and you won't have to get a security door on your mansion up there because your neighbors will come in, and if they do, you won't be bothered. You'll say, how much more do you want? You with me? Because there's endless supply. Because this love is such a giver, it will make heaven what it is. You with me? But why can't we have this now because we have it? The only thing that stops it is me not renewing my mind or responding to it when it tries to get my attention. Love walked in by us as the believers would solve 
home problems. It would make children secure. It would. They are not going to be secure in the world. They'll be secure in God's love. It'll create a proper atmosphere in the home, an environment for families and children to thrive in. But if there's sharp, biting words all the time, that love is being suppressed in the believer. If it's all about selfish motives, the love is being suppressed. No wonder Jesus said, this is how you got to live it. This makes life sweet. Meaning, if I'm only looking what I can get from the relationship, I'm looking at it wrong. You with me? This will make people good employees. This will make people come to you if you walk in love and you have your own business because you can be trusted. And not because of what you're getting, but just because you're motivated by love. And it won't lie. And it won't bear false witness. It'll be just like God. You're not God, but you got something from Him. And it'll make something of you. It'll create by action a super valuable employee that an employer would owe something to them all the time. Why? Because they'll come early, they won't cut out, and they'll, they'll do more, and so it would hurt to lose them because love is that way. But if I just live out of the realm of reason, I'll walk, like the Bible said, as mere men, normal people that are not saved. But if I walk in this love, it'll create by action an effective and useful person also for the kingdom of God. Love would compel me to give. And I'm not just talking finance, but I'm talking of my life to the work of God. Maybe not to travel the world, but to serve in church. Knowing that it's not about me. It's about God. But here's the thing. This love comes in us. Jesus gave commandment at, keep my commandment, keep my commandments, walk in love, walk in love. The first commandment is believe. The second commandment is walk in love. But really, by receiving, you get the love to walk in. You want to walk and grow with God and be something that will have an influence? Walk in this love. You want to solve the problems of your marriage? I've watched people get so bent and so angry, and it comes down to not what can I do to solve the problem. It comes down to what the other person is not doing. And if they would, I would. You're at an impasse because both of you are walking in human ways, not God's way. Well, I'll take the first step. If the other person starts walking in love, they'll say, no, I'll do it. Because that's how God's love is. I'll do it first. Didn't he do it first? Jesus kept doing stuff all the time first. People were able to watch him and live in it. But the problem is, the failure to this kind of love is, well, i got to wait for somebody else to take the first step. I knew you guys would be excited about this this morning. But I don't know about you, but I want to unlock this because of the treasure that's in it. And this is the way of the church. This is the way of the new believer, the one who has salvation. Now, you can walk out of love and live outside of love 
the whole existence after you get saved. But you'll be grinding against your nature. You won't know God like you could. People won't know God like they could through you. And it will just stymie your whole life. Churches that get out of love get tore apart. Homes that get out of love get tore apart. Oh, well, I've messed up so bad. Who hasn't? Now you walk in love and start fixing the problem. I mean, if my car's out of oil and I go, man, my car's out of oil and I just keep driving, it's out of oil. No, put oil in it. Start walking in love. It'll change it. You with me? And we got the goods to do it if we're saved. Amen?